Good afternoon, everybody. My name is Jean Gallagher, and welcome to show number six, Discover Rising Tides, How the Outside Makes the Inside Better, where we explore the importance of the outdoors and maintaining life balance. Through this series, we'll be talking to women business owners to understand their journey. And today, I'm excited to introduce Rachel Hudson davis Hi, Rachel. Hi, it's nice to be here, Jean. Thank I'm you for so inviting excited me. To, you're welcome. I'm excited to talk, to talk with you today. And Rachel lives in Southern, Southern Illinois with her husband, son, and cat, a former journalist and English professor. She currently works as a freelance writer in the higher ed, nonprofit, and mental health industries. Her freelance work has appeared in Business Insider, Everyday Health Groups, What to Expect, VacationistUSA.com, and many more. Her fiction work has appeared in Baron Magazine. So now that we have that out of the way, welcome. Thank you. Yeah, so I'm really excited. Rachel and I talk to each other every week um, in a in a uh, an online networking group. So we're we're old friends in a short amount of time. And thank goodness for Zoom and what COVID has brought us all together. And it's, it's been wonderful to get to know her. And I'm excited to, to cover your journey. And so tell us a little bit about you and your business. And, but most of all, your journey and, and how it started. Sure. So what I do, um, so as you said, I'm a freelance writer. Um, so I mostly write content for um, schools. Uh, so colleges and universities, nonprofits, and businesses. Um, and so basically what I do as a freelance writer is I find clients who are in the industries that I have expertise within uh, that need writing, whether it be for a website or communication with their clients or emails or blogs. Um, I, I find clients in those niches and I provide my writing services for them. So self-employed, um, technically a small business owner, I'm an LLC. Um, so I, uh, I came at this actually through a kind of a long background in journalism and English. Um, I was a reporter for the beginning of my career, and uh, then I taught uh, English at the college level, and then for a while I actually worked as an in-house writer at a university and decided to go freelance during the pandemic, as so many other people made changes during that time. Um, that was just what, what you did, I guess. We all made changes. So what does that look like for you as an employee? So uh, at first, so I was working for a university. It was a small university that really prides itself on its community feel. And so that was rough for us mm -hmm. um, because we were used to being very community oriented. And uh, over spring break, they just told us nobody's coming back until, you know, whatever uncertain time this goes away. So I was working from home. I had already been working from home a lot. Um, before that, I had made an arrangement with HR because um, I had a 45-minute commute and I needed more flexibility, which one thing that I'm sure we'll touch on in this conversation, one thing about me is I like my freedom and I like my flexibility. So I had already kind of had the ropes of working remotely, um, but then I was doing it, you know, five days a week. Mm -hmm. um, so I didn't, I didn't have any trouble working remotely. I really enjoyed it. Um, so really the thing that the pandemic brought out for me was that even though I had been a good fit for the work for the previous four years and really liked my coworkers and really believed in the university and its mission, mm. um, I was not happy doing a nine to five job. Um, I just, 
I, and I had been, you know, obviously doing that for most of my career. Um, it was interesting because once COVID took away my social life and my traveling and all the things that I did in the evenings and weekends, and I was forced to just confront that most of my life was just what I was doing from Monday through Friday between 8 and 4.30, mm-hmm. um, I realized that I was way less happy with what I was doing than I thought I was. Isn't that interesting? To It, it forces a step back to really self-analyze where you're at and, and what do you want. And there's so many people that, so many, like you already said, careers changed through COVID. And it's amazing what's come out on the other side. For my business model, outside of this Discover Rising Tides world, it's the same thing. I went from a community meeting, meeting with clients, to working at home and doing it remotely. And it changes the dynamic of everything, but it also makes you take a look at what are you, how are you doing it? What are you doing during your day, right? Yeah, for sure. It, um, I know that for me, um, I realized that I had gotten too used to the work to the point where I was bored, you know, mm-hmm. and I thought like, oh gosh, this just, it feels like the same thing every day and I'm not excited. And when you don't have anything else exciting in your life, you realize if your work is not exciting you. So yeah, yeah. I, was, I was pretty angry about how much COVID ripped everything away at first, but in retrospect, it ended up being a net positive in terms of me knowing what direction to go. I mean, obviously, I would rather COVID had never happened Totally. <laughs> but I've tried to get out of it what I can since I can't change the fact that it happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a really great way to look at that. And, and I think that you also, it exposes that your world revolved around 8 to 4.30. Yes. Or it exposed that your world revolved around the workday hour, the traditional workday hours. Yes. Um, which was so crazy. I mean, and, and I, you know, I already kind of knew this from working at home so much in the role previously, but it really became apparent to me that um, so much of what we expect of the American worker is, is not only kind of arbitrary, but also not really backed up by science in terms of how well people do their jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, here's one example. Uh, I pretty frequently um, has to take a short nap in the middle of the day. Um, You know, I've chased a two-year-old all evening, and I have a lot of responsibilities and, you know, a lot of coffee fueling me in the morning. And um, I found out that I am just more productive if I have a little rest in the middle of the afternoon. And not only am I more productive, but, like, if I try to push through that, I, I can't force myself to continue being as productive if I just, you know, don't stop and take that rest. And I, I realized a little while into the pandemic, I started like feeling guilty for doing that. Um, you know, like once I was a freelancer and I was on my own time, I was like, well, you know, I, I ought to be working without stopping kind of. And I realized like, how crazy is it that my body is literally biologically telling me that there is something that I need to be more productive. And I have let my culture convince me that it's wrong to have that biological need or to like meet it, even if the goal of meeting it is to become more productive. 
Um, and like, obviously that's just one example, but like, you know, there's many other examples. I mean, you know, lots of people um, have kind of different times of day when their brains are more active. It's really better to work with that than against it. And it's really kind of arbitrary that we've all been led to believe that if you follow those, that biological intuition, mm-hmm. um, that you won't do whatever it is that you're supposed to do for your job or you won't be productive enough. Um, I think deep down on some level, all of us realize that the 8 to 4.30 workday is a little bit arbitrary and all of us realize that it doesn't suit the needs of a real person, um, but we're kind of like shamed out of admitting that almost. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right, because that's where we're supposed to be. So, so what I've always wondered, so writing is not my thing. Um, there are moments where I can be inspired, but to have it as a responsibility every day, that seems overwhelming to me. And I'm always amazed at people that can do that well for a living. And what does, but, but that's really heady. You have to be on all the time. You can't, you know, other, other careers or jobs or responsibilities, you can have moments where you're not really on, but you're performing your job, but it's, it has to be different for you in your career. Yes. Boy, that's, that's a really good question that actually not a lot of people have asked me, but yes. Um, So with writing, well, one thing I'll say about, you know, anybody who's an independent contractor or a small business owner um, knows that you only bill for a certain portion of your day. So you, there, You'd be surprised at how many things of keeping even a contractor position running um, can be. Some parts of it are mindless. Um, so mm-hmm. the a lot of the self-promotion that I do in terms of searching for new clients and reaching out to new clients is a lot more relaxed because, you know, it's me reading through documents or sending emails or, you know, so there's, there's elements of the self-promotion that are a little bit more automatic. Um, and, you know, just things like paperwork in order. And, um, you know, I have, I have some clients where I write for them and I also like post for them on LinkedIn. And so I have all the material, you know, written up already and I just kind of go in and do the post. So there's, there's those Recording things. Recording in kind of, progress. Uh, those things that are um, sort of a saving grace in the middle of that. But yeah, um, I think when you're talking about the kind of writing I do, which is not fiction writing, um, and it's not essay writing, it's content writing. So generally there are some common... Which is a little dry. Should we say that? Is it? It depends, it depends on the industry. It depends on the industry. Um, but there, so there's a little more rules around how that has to be structured. And so it's not as like, if, I mean, I, okay, so I write fiction as well, you know, as like just for fun. Um, if I had to do that all day as my job, I would die. Like I would just keel over and my head would explode. But um, luckily with nonfiction, there's still, there's a lot of being on, like Mm -hmm. you said, but there's also like, once you get into a groove with a client, you know what they're looking for and you know what to do. And you know, because so much of writing is for the internet, you know what kind of structure works on the internet and what doesn't. So you always do what works because that's what your clients want. Um, So the subject matter changes, which is great because that keeps me interested but the way that I approach the work largely stays the same, which is also great because it doesn't take as much out of me, I guess. Mm, interesting. Yeah. Interesting. And so what the, 
how does your going from, I'm kind of jumping ahead, I think, but sort of, not really, but kind of, (laughs) how does your day, so how does your day look different now than it did as an employee? There's Um, an app. (laughs) Yes, there's an app. There's often an app. Um, I would say that I have a lot less stress in that random things that come up are allowed to come up. Um, So we had a couch that was going to be delivered and the delivery people came uh, at a time at an earlier time. And I had not planned my lunch break for that time. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was able to, but like, you know, it was this thing that suddenly came up and I had to deal with it. And so I was able to be there. Um, So there's, you know, things like that, or if I have to, um, Tonight, I knew that I had to do this at five o'clock, so I did all my dinner prep starting at four o'clock. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so just things like that where things are allowed to come up now. Um, in terms of the usual rhythm of my day, I would say that I probably start and end work a little later, um, which is just more convenient for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm able to exercise often, like way more often than I was when I was a regular employee because I don't feel like, oh my gosh, I've been at lunch for 40 minutes. I have to get back to my desk. Um, so I do more exercise. Um, I incorporate, honestly, more more short breaks where I try to incorporate short breaks when I was an employee, but now that I feel like I'm on my own time, I do more restorative things with my breaks because I don't have that constant guilt in the back of my mind of somebody expects me to be on a clock. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm able to like, when I take a short break, I do something that restores me. Like I do a little bit of yoga or I get rid of the dirty dishes that I have been worrying about. Or like sometimes I just go outside and I just sit outside for five minutes and I just say like, I need to do something other than look at a screen. Mm -hmm. I just need to look at my backyard, go check my tomato plants. Um, But yeah, and the rest of the day, I'm sure to anyone else, it's really boring because I'm just literally sitting in front of my computer the whole day. But to me, all that work is fascinating, you know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It it gives you that flexibility to work life into your day. Yes. Versus yes. versus the other the other way around where you have a section of work and then there you're trying to squish life into the couple of hours after work before your son goes to bed and there's that quality of life that happens. Yeah. And I've and I have been mindful to try and keep my work within a general time frame mm-hmm. so that I don't because I know some people get to feeling like, oh, I'm always at work when I'm right. self employed. It's hard. And, and especially I, yeah. when you're doing it at home. To, I had to, you have to set goalposts or guidelines, and when the computer gets closed, then I'm done. Um, so, because you have to separate yourself for sanity purposes and just have those those areas. I, I love the fact that you have time to even just sit outside for five minutes, and it's amazing how five minutes can really just reset you. Yeah, it can make a huge difference. It can make a huge difference, and like, it's also nice to just decide, okay, I'm feeling really tired right now. I had better switch and do some of the mindless things at the moment. And I will come back to the intense things when I feel ready for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, you know, that's good. That's great. Cause I don't have other things that, you know, I don't have a coworker saying, well, we need to work on this right now mm-hmm. or a meeting that has to happen. You know, I was always going to meetings that were like across campus and, and, uh, a, you know, if that happens in the middle of your afternoon slump time, it's like you're not going to get anything out of it, you know? Mm-hmm. 
Exactly. Yeah, I do know that. <laughs> so, yeah. so it's easy to say you went from being an employee to a business owner, because that sounds like the transition was simple because it's a quick sentence, but the journey is not that easy, is it? No, no. <laughs> there was a lot of research involved and really like, so my journey goes back even further than the pandemic um, because I, I knew something was wrong with my life uh, a few years before that, um, but it hadn't really like hit that, that crisis point yet, mm-hmm. I guess. Um, I felt like on paper, I had this job with coworkers that I loved and a company that I, you know, a, a school that I really believed in doing the work that I got my degree in. Mm-hmm. And so I felt like everything should be right. Um, but we, uh, we had started going on vacation to New Mexico and we went on this one vacation one year that was so great. And when I came back from that vacation, the next morning, I felt horrible. Like I was like the, almost the angriest that I had ever been because this vacation was over. And I was mm-hmm. like, this is so dumb. Like, why am I so upset that my vacation's over? You know? Um, and I was like so angry that when I went into work that day, like I couldn't, I almost couldn't speak to anybody um, because I was just like, I'm going to bite somebody's head off. And so that was like, I think 2017 or 2018. And at that point I started to realize, okay, something is wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, I need, I need something. So my first solution was, uh, let's, let's, uh, have a vacation home in New Mexico. Like I thought that, you know, doing something extravagant like that with my life would make up for feeling so ill at ease with other parts of my life. Right. So we bought this piece of land, um, which we were going to put a tiny house on just in time for us to decide to have a baby and then just in time to get into the pandemic. So we have the land, house hasn't happened yet, but this was, this was what started my journey, right? Like it started with this imagining of this house that we were going to have in New Mexico. Um, And so then once the pandemic hit, um, I've really been thinking about like, you know, I feel like this vacation home plan was like my attempt to band-aid something that's actually a huge crack in the foundation of my life. And I was like, I, I want to freelance, but you know, people always say like, oh, well, freelance writing, like starving artist, you can't really make good money off of that. Um, and uh, so when the pandemic hit, I was like, I have to do something like, I have no New Mexico now. I have no like trips mm-hmm. out with friends. I have no nothing except this job that I'm coming to understand is like sucking dry. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did, I had to do a lot of research. Um, I turned to resources from freelancers I knew uh, who I like, I didn't know personally, but like, you know, I had read articles by them or read their books or whatever. And I knew that they were successful and I didn't know how. So I did a lot of reading and through that reading, I eventually got to um, a resource that um, really was like the cream of the crop in terms of teaching you how to make freelance writing um, uh, sustainable and pay well. Um, And it wasn't, you know, it wasn't like a, it was a book, but it wasn't one of those like take this course for a hundred dollars a week and learn how to, you know, it was like somebody who was doing it herself who had written a book and the book just, you know, kind of gave you everything, but I had to go through a lot of research steps to get there. Mm -hmm. And then I had to start implementing it. Um, And 
so I like worked kind of all, I think I started looking for clients that April. And I think at the end of May, I started with my first client at the beginning of June. So it was six weeks of like just putting these things into practice mm. with like zero results. And then after six weeks, I had one client and that was what I had all summer. And finally, I realized that I was under so much, um, I was under so much strain from the pandemic and from kind of being at the end of all of these years where I had been working in a way that didn't work for how my brain is wired, that um, I kind of realized, like, I'm going to have to take a leap of faith here because I don't have the wherewithal to start this when I'm constantly being drained by something else. It's um, hard. It's, it is. It's, it's, it it's is. a very brave move on your part to let go of the sure thing and grab onto the rope that might not hold you up. And I, and I also want to acknowledge that I'm extremely privileged in that because I have a partner who had good health care through his job. And, you know, if, if I hadn't had a partner that had health care, I literally couldn't have done it. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, there are a lot of people out there that um, I think are afraid to figure out how to, how to make it work or can't figure out how to make it work, you know, because their logistics are more complicated than mine was. But it was still scary. Mm -hmm. um, you know, because I mean, we had gotten used to having two incomes. And so even though we were still going to have benefits and we were still going to have a safety net of one person's paycheck, um, you know, we had a lot of long-term plans for the money that I was making and how our budget was going to work long-term. And I knew from other freelancers that even if you eventually build up to the level of salary that you were making before you went to be freelancing, that that can take like up to a year, you know, mm -hmm. if you're like really, even if you're really doing everything right. Um, so it was and that's scary. a whole budget change and that's a lot. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. And I think people in COVID can understand that too, because for people that were out of work during COVID, unfortunately, and didn't have an appropriate amount of savings or didn't plan for that, that really, well, that, yeah, because who plans for a pandemic? Like who plans that your job might just disappear? Right. You know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. So, so you've, you took the jump and, and you didn't fall on your face. No, I didn't. <laughs> Thank goodness. Um, for a minute there, like I might, but uh -huh. um, yeah. still here. <laughs> so, but that also brings up another set of pressure too. Did you have, what were your expectations going into this change and were, were they, do you think that they were in line with what they should have been? Because you can have expectations of, oh, it'll be okay. Or, and the struggle of getting it to happen is hard. Yeah, I think, um, I think that other freelancers had prepared me for the fact that it was a lot of work. And that mm. was kind of my saving grace with other people's experience helped set my expectations. Well, that's a good um, point. And I then do, thank goodness you did all that research. Yes. Oh, my goodness. Yes. Mm -hmm. The research was definitely exactly what I needed. And I stayed plugged in. I mean, I still go to, there's a Facebook group that I'm part of that has other freelancers who are, like, pretty successful and getting paid pretty well. And I still go to them with questions. I mean, the research is ongoing, and I've been doing this for, over, you know, about a year, over a year. Um, not full-time over a year, but, like, my first client. I've been with for a year. Um, so, what am I saying? Yes, 
So the research was ongoing. I and your expectations is where we're headed. The expectations yeah, were, were pretty good. I think that there, I, I really have a little bit of hope that I would be the unicorn that that gets built up faster than six months to a year. And like, I think you have to have a little bit of that sort of blind stupidity to like do that, you know, like you have to like believe that, well, maybe I'll be the unicorn because it's too scary to think like, oh, this could, it's like I knew, I knew that it could take a year, but I wanted to believe that it wouldn't kind of. Um, You'd be the magic person that went to sleep yeah. had a nightmare and wrote a 10 series of books and, and made it on her first try, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so there was, you know, there was a little bit of that, but I mean, there has to be, I think, a little bit of that in everybody's venture because you have to see the dream that you're going towards, you know, and as long as you're not like totally off in la-la land and have no idea what can happen to you, it's uh, it can keep you going to be like, I bet next month I'll find a bunch more clients. Mm -hmm. I bet next yeah. month I'll find a bunch more clients. Yeah, and then it's you know there's that that um comic which is now a meme because everything's a meme, right? Of that then the person digging through the mountain and they're just this far from the other side and that's when they quit. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's what comes to mind when you're saying that it'll be, it'll be better next month. It'll be better next month and, and sticking with it. So is there, do you think that there's any other underlying desire that helps you get through that, those troubling times? Um, I think honestly, and I, I don't mean this in a negative way necessarily. I mean, it is just knowing myself. Um, I know that at this point in my life, can't, um, it won't work out so well to do anything else. And I, I don't mean that as like a scary thing, but just like, I know that like, I am better now. I'm in a better mental place than I have been. And I know that that's true. And so, and I think the successes that I've had in the past, you know, have made me think, okay, I'm having successes. I know that if I just go back to the nine to five, I'm going to be where I was. So, you know, we're, we're not, drowning like I'm I'm you know making some pretty decent money now and I, so I think it's just a combination of those things like just really not wanting to go back to where I was mm -hmm. um and I think some amount of it is dreaming when things are really truly much more safe and settled things are a lot more back to normal now from COVID than they were but um I think dreaming about what it's going to be like when there's no hesitation about travel you know, when my, when my son is old enough to understand what vacations are, you know, and be more excited and we want to go places. Um, and how old is he now? The time in my wildest dreams that I looked at. Yes. Yeah. So, so he's going to be a memory for him. <laughs> oh yeah. It went right over his head. He had yeah. no idea. I was like, I was crazy crying into my pillow at night. He had no idea anything. That's good. That's good. So he will be able to determine or learn about vacations and learn about working hard and taking time off and that freedom that comes along with it. Yeah. And like, and just being able to show him things without having to be like, well, we don't have time to go show him Colorado or we don't have time to show him New Mexico because, you know, we've both got to get a week off work at the same time and we have to work around, you know, whatever, everything else you like. There's just so, I think that flexibility of knowing that, like, we can give my son whatever we want to give him. And we can give ourselves whatever we do, too. Mm -hmm. I mean, like, 
so this um, this February, I was like nuts after the COVID winter. I mean, like I was like flat out like I have to leave this state because Southern Illinois is like very cold and gray all winter. And I was like, I got to get out of here. And so we just like, we, we left my son with my parents and we just went to Florida for like, uh, what, like five days, I think. Um, and just like fled to Florida and I needed it. It was so needed. I don't know if we could have both gotten the time off at the same time at that time of year and worked it out with bosses and coworkers and stuff, but it was really like, it was truly a mental health break for both of us. Mm-hmm. Um, after being through a winter where we were inside and couldn't go anywhere. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's about what we can give our son. It's also about what we can give ourselves. Um, That's a good point, too. Yeah, exactly. Because it's important to, to fuel yourself for work and also the personal piece, too. Yes, for sure. So what drew you to New Mexico? That's quite well, a difference from Illinois. This is going to sound, everybody laughs when I say this. The very first time that we went to New Mexico, the reason we kept going back is because if you go to New Mexico, you keep going back because it's beautiful and it's eclectic and it's wonderful. But the whole reason that we even went in was because we had watched Breaking Bad and there were some episodes of Breaking Bad that had really beautiful scenery. And this was before, you know, like before kid or anything. And we could kind of like, uh, when we took vacations, we could go anywhere. And so it was so wide open that we were like, well, we've been to the ocean, you know, we've been to Colorado, like, what do we do next? And we were like, oh, look at this beautiful scenery on Breaking Bad. So we went to New Mexico and we just loved it. And it was like, it was like it spoke to both of us. And so we just kept, so we went back the next year. And then pretty soon we got to the point where like, we were sad when we would come home, um, but we didn't want to move there because all of our family and friends are here and our community is super important to us and we couldn't relocate, you know, Mm -hmm. so and at that point, I was really, like, sad every time we had to come back. And I just, I wanted to be able to access New Mexico whenever I want so mm-hmm. that it won't feel like, oh, there's this beautiful place that is sort of out of reach, like this dream that you get to be treated to once a year or whatever. Like, I, I, wanted, I wanted to be able to get back there when I wanted to. Um, and there's also a little bit of it, like, so my paternal grandmother was really all about the West, and she, she, they would have retired out West if it wasn't for all their grandkids being in Illinois. And um, I feel her out there. She had a big impact on my life, and New Mexico was, like, one of the places that I thought, like, I knew that she had gone there. She used to vacation there some, a long time ago, and um it just, I don't know, it, it just really spoke to me for a lot of different reasons. That's fantastic. And then you're, now you're going to be able to share that with your son as well. Yeah, that's great. And so you have plans to, do you think that you'll be able to go a little bit more often now? Yeah, we're actually um, hopefully going to go again sometime somewhat soonish um, before the end of the year at some point we're mm-hmm. looking into looking into going um, and kind of getting back on the horse of figuring out what do we need to do to get the tiny home built. Um, you know, it, it, some of those things are easier to do when you're actually like there. Oh, totally. Yeah. Oh, some of that rolling or at least figure out what the next steps would be. Um, yeah, you but know. you're right. It is nice to have that freedom of being able to decide to go someplace for a little while and then come back 
and go again if you need to, because you have the flexibility in your business and your schedule. Yeah. And to have a home there, you know, mm-hmm. like, like have the tiny house was such an integral part of it because we're like, then we always know that we have a place, mm-hmm. you know, like that place will always be open to us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, it, and it'll, and you can make it part of you versus just showing up someplace in a motel room and enjoying it for a little while and then coming back and you're not able to, you don't have that internal connection so much. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's wonderful. So what does, so what does your business, where do you see yourself, ridiculous interview questions, where do you see yourself in five years? But, you know, where do you, where do you, um, so what's your current um, typical client, I guess? Where do you, where do you see your business for, I can't figure out a better way to ask the question. Yeah, yeah, no, that's, and, and like when you're talking to somebody in a completely different industry, you almost don't know like what questions to ask about how the career trajectory progresses. So I get that. Um, my current, most of my, a lot of my clients right now um, are universities, which I imagine will probably always be the case just because that's a niche that I'm really, really good at. Um, I work with some small business owners. Um, I did not foresee this, but I have ended up working with a lot of software companies that serve people who are in industries that I have expertise in. So like, I'm not, I don't have any expertise in software development per se, Mm -hmm. Um, but it turns out that I'm really good at writing for people when they have to, like, I've made this software and now I want someone to tell my potential clients why this software would help their business. turns out that I'm really good at writing that type of stuff. Wow. So, um, so I've been, I've been doing that in the mental health sector, actually. There's a lot of places that make um, software that helps mental health practitioners run their practice. Um, okay. So I'm hoping to grow my presence in, like, so as far as where I want to see myself in five years, I'm hoping to grow my, myself, um, continue to grow in the mental health sector. Um, I, a lot of times for a freelancer, expanding your career is about what niche you, that you want to get into or you dream to get into. Um, I've done a little bit of travel writing before, and so now that COVID is settling down and people are able to safely travel again, um, in five years, I would really, I envision travel being a big part of what I write about. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually have a very specific vision for that because I want to write about travel within the U.S. So most travel things are based towards like global travel, which is wonderful. And there are many people for whom that is their thing. Um, But I really want to specialize in writing about travel within the U.S. Um, So I hope that that will be like added to my client repertoire. Um, You know, I would, a lot of freelancers get to the point where they outsource to other freelancers. I'm deciding if that Oh, really? A goal that I want. Yeah, yeah. You'd oh, be wow. surprised. A lot of people that once you get up to a certain level of success, um, you don't want to turn work down, but it's getting to be more than you can handle. So you end up, you know, outsourcing to people who are like sharing with others. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Sharing with others. Um, so I'm still deciding if that's the direction that I want to go or if I want to keep being a one woman show. Um, mm-hmm. But for sure, I hope in five years, that I have helped other freelancers as much as other freelancers have helped me. Like, mm-hmm. I hope that I've found lots of ways to give back. That's fantastic. You know, it's kind of interesting just listening to your story and where you started and where you are now and some of the, what I really liked a couple of times you said, I didn't know that I'd be good at that or wow, I am good at that. 
you know, how often are we pigeonholed into a, you know, you're doing a job or something and that's your job description and there's not an opportunity to do something else within the company without changing jobs. And I think oh missed yeah. opportunity to grow. Yes. And, you know, I became really aware of that, actually, after I transitioned from journalism into um, working for a university, because I worked for a small university where um, there was a lot of, um, it was a small university that didn't have the budget for a huge staff. And so everyone on staff ended up holding a lot of responsibility. And, and I realized that, like, oh, my gosh, it's so interesting and fascinating to be in an environment where if I want to do something additional or want to try something out, people are like, oh, okay, we need help with that. Um, so that's something that you can't find at a lot of workplaces, though. I mean, that was kind of the particulars of the company that I worked for and the fact that I was in a creative role in a school that had other creative departments and yeah, like other jobs that I had. And even when I was teaching, it was like, I'm doing one thing. Mm -hmm. um, so for, for most of my life, yeah, had, hadn't really had the opportunity to explore um, mm -hmm. and ended up exploring, like for instance, the software venue as a freelancer, just because by chance, uh, somebody else I know who owns her own business needed some writing help with that type of client. And I was doing it like just for money. And then I was like, oh, well, I'm really good. Maybe I'll keep doing this type of work <laughs> it's because it's interesting, you know, like never saw myself writing about software, but here we are. Mm -hmm. It gives us the, I noticed it too, going from, you know, the employee to the business owner or how much I've changed and, or my business has changed or it, began, it, it gives the permission to evolve. And it's, it'd be interesting to see you know, what, what the next few years looks like and yeah. what kind of things that you might be writing about that you would never envision that would be something that would be a, a subject matter that would, that would really resonate with you. Yeah. You really never know what's around the next corner. You really don't. Mm -hmm. Wow. It's been so wonderful talking with you. Is there anything else that, did we cover everything? I think we could probably do this forever. Anything you'd like to add? Not really, other than that, um, I mean, my best piece of advice to people who are kind of wanting to strike out on their own is that networking is everything and LinkedIn like should be your new home. And as like search for groups of people that um, share, like people who are further along in your desired career track, like find those groups of people and learn mm. from them because oh, that's it's like further along. That's interesting. I never really thought about that. Oh yeah. Ninety nine percent of what I have been able to figure out how to do successfully um, has been because I was part of groups of freelancers that have been doing this longer than I have. Mm. Did you ever that's a brave move. Did you think about that? With I, for me, I would think it would be, so, so being new, right, as a new freelancer, putting your hand up in a group of people that are experienced, that takes, takes a lot of guts. You have to find the right group, because I happen to find a group that is really about, like, helping other people, uh, you know, really about collaboration, mm. and they're happy to see new people, 
yeah, if I hadn't been able to find a group that already had that sort of mindset in place, it would have just been, you know, just a lot of grit. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, sometimes you have to do things that are uncomfortable too. Um, but yeah, that was, that ended up working out really well for me. That's fantastic. Thank you. Thanks for that. And so how, how would people get in touch with you? We'll put some contact information in the show notes too, but how, how do we find you? Yeah, so um, I am on LinkedIn, um, Rachel mm-hmm. Huston Davis, and I am at rachelhustondavis.com. And uh, I believe you're going to have my, or you, you're probably going to put my email contact in, yeah. right? I mean, I check my email all the time, so that's one of the best ways to get a hold of me, honestly. Yeah, we'll definitely put your email in the show notes as well as your um, website and LinkedIn profile. And is there any last thought that you'd like to leave everybody with? I didn't prep you for that one. <laughs> no, that's okay. Um, yeah, just I, I hope that um, I hope that I can help somebody else think through what they need to think about before they do this because it's a really great move if you can if you can you know chase your chase what you're good at and be self-employed. It's really great. Great. Thanks so much for your time today, Rachel. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for having me. It's been great to be here. Mm-hmm. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.